Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Press Box Sports. I'm here with Riley Klingman, the same guy that's on the podcast. Riley, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good, Nate. Uh, just got done with a couple seminars here at Liberty on this Monday afternoon. A couple of people came from ESPN, Fox News, and other journalism and digital media places of that nature. So a little tired right now. Did a little bit of homework today. My voice isn't feeling great. If any of you guys can tell, it's a little raspy. Hopefully my voice doesn't crack today. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen because it's not only going to make me and Nate laugh, but it's going to not give us as good of content because of my voice. But we're going to try and get through this. We're on the last AL division, and then tomorrow we'll be moving into the NL. We're going to be doing the NL East and the NL Central tomorrow. And we're going to put the NL East video out on Tuesday, the NL Central video out on Wednesday. And then we'll wrap it up putting out the NL West out on Thursday morning um, before all those games start. But, Nate, I am pumped. I am ready to go. It's game week, baby. Thursday, baby. So, yeah, Thursday is opening day for the MLB. And so the whole entire point of this series is to kind of go over every single team and MLB and see what they have coming for them this season. And today we're going to be diving into the AL West. And, Riley, the Houston Astros last season. Had a phenomenal season. Can you, like, tell us a little bit about that? Well, Nate, I just want to say the Houston Astros just did okay. Just okay. Year. I mean, dude, this team was 106-56 and 56 last season. They won the AL West, and they won the World Series. They defeated the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies were a really good team, kind of an underrated team to make it to the World Series. But at the end of the day, the Astros pitching was just phenomenal last year. I mean, you guys, you got guys like Framber Valdez on that team. Um, Luis Garcia. I mean, that bullpen's got Ryan Stanek in there. Um, they had Yimmy Garcia in there, but he got traded away to the Blue Jays. But, I mean, this team is just absolutely phenomenal in and of itself. Um, and honestly, really the only hit they took, a guy that won't be with them this year, and that's kind of going to go along with the next part of this, their approach to the season, is Jose Altuve going to be out for the first two months. So it'll be interesting to see how that team shakes out and everything of that nature. But Nate, slowly but surely, everybody's releasing their opening day rosters. And uh, we will know everybody's opening day roster by Wednesday. Um, because as we all know, opening day is going to happen on Thursday. And um, the opening day starting pitcher for the Astros has been announced. Um, and that's going to be Framber Valdez on the mound. Really good pitcher. He's going to be facing off against Dylan Cease. So that's going to be a really cool matchup to tune into. We'll talk about a couple others when we get there. But I just think that this Astros team is going to pick up right where it left off last year. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not really here to project really what they're going to look like. We're here to give you a little synopsis of what they've looked like in spring training heading into this season. And Luis Garcia has made a change to his rock rockabye baby motion. Because, because of the rule changes, and it seems to be working for him. I mean, this guy can do anything he wants to do in terms of a, of a pitching motion. He can do an extra Cortez for all we care. He still looks really good. Um, and honestly, the Astros, you know, they're always going to have a, have a good record in spring training. They always got good minor league guys yep. that they put out there on the field that can compete with pretty much anybody and things like that, Nate. But some things that they haven't liked is Forrest Whitley, the team's first-round pick in 2016. He's finally healthy for spring training, but he has looked atrocious in his outings. And so that's just not good news because you want your first round picks. I mean, the reason you got him is because you hope 
in a couple years down the road, they insert themselves onto the major league roster like we saw um, uh, we saw Anthony Volpe from the Yankees. He's on the opening day starting roster. We saw Jordan Walker from the Cardinals. He made the opening day rosters. Both of those guys were sought out after prospects for both of those organizations, respectively. And I just think that this Astros team really wanted to see Forrest Whitley kind of make some sort of stride to make that major league roster. And at the end of the day, Nate, he was a first-round pick in 2016. Here we are seven years later in 2023. He's still not been called up to the ball club. Yeah. So not necessarily panic mode for a first-round pick for the Astros, but they need to start seeing something here in the next couple of years. An interesting quote that manager Dusty Baker has said about the 2023 season, he said, it's like a king with his army around him. You know what I mean? I like my army even though I'm a Marine. So take that with what you will. Oh, and by the way, Isaac will not be here with us. He's not feeling well. So Isaac had the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics, and I am right there with Isaac. I think the Astros are going to finish first in the AL West once again. You just don't see a world where with a roster like this and a pitching staff this talented. Oh, and mind you, they, they added Jose Abreu to their infield. So an upgrade at first base, if you want to say it. Uh, Yuli Gurriel is now at the Marlins, but we'll get to the NL East tomorrow. That's a division I'm really, really excited about. They've been really, really good the past couple years. But, Nate, let's just go through this projected opening day roster, just kind of look at these different guys and stuff like that. The chemistry, I don't know if it's been ruined for the Houston Astros, per se, because of the World Baseball Classic and a lot of their athletes playing in it. But you got you got guys like Martin Maldonado, who hasn't really played that much in spring. And he's going to be the starting guy for them, a guy that can throw you out on the base paths. And he's just about as good as anybody back there. And this guy's going to hit. Um, last season he had a he had an okay year at the at the bat rack, but I'm looking for him to have a little bit of a bounce back year, and uh, he's he's going to be competing against Yanir Diaz, and he's he's going to be backup, and uh, so we'll see how all that goes at the catcher position for the Astros. And as we know, Jose Abreu, he's 36 years old. They signed him to a three year deal in November after he played nine major league seasons with the White Sox. He was consistently one of the top middle-of-the-order run producers in the game. When he was with the White Sox, I think the only question mark there is, are they going to be able to get three good years out of Jose Abreu? Jose Altuve is a guy that's going to make the opening day roster, even though he's got the injury. Uh, he's an eight-time All-Star in 2017 AL MVP. He returns for his 13th season. As the Astros starter at second base, he's coming off a terrific season. He hit 300. And for an average, 28 homers, 57 RBIs, 18 stolen bases, 103 runs scored in a 921 OPS. And folks, the league average in OPS is 900. But as we know, Nate, he's going to be out for the first two months of the season. We go over to shortstop, Jeremy Pena. Kind of a Carlos Correa. I don't know if I would say 2.0 quite yet, but this guy's got really good stuff. He's got, he's got really good power. Few players are as popular as Pena. And uh, he's, he's, he's kind of taken over as, as the franchise icon, kind of. He's not quite there yet, but last year he had a really good rookie season. And then third baseman, we all, we all know him, whether we love him or hate him, Alex Bregman. He had 259 last year, 23 homers, 87 walks, 93 runs, 93 RBIs. He played in 150 games after battling injuries the previous two years. Then this outfield is looking pretty good. There's two guys that you can note that look really good. 
Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick are obviously going to be locks in the outfield for most of the year. And, you know, you're missing guys like Michael Brantley, who's going to be likely on the injured list to start the season. So that's a big loss. Those, those would be the three starting outfielders, but Jake Myers and Justin Durden, both outfield prospects who have swung the bat well in camp, may have a path to the opening day roster with Brantley being on the injured list. Yep. So maybe one of those guys will break out. And the DH, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez, is be he, he's swinging the bat well. He swung it well last year. He swung it well, really, in the entire playoffs last year. So it'll be interesting to see what he does from the DH spot this year. I look to see him have another phenomenal year hitting in that spot. And then the bench for the Houston Astros is going to be David Hensley and Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon was with the Giants last year, had a really good year defensively. Offensively, not great numbers, but he's a, he's a decent backup for guys when they need a day of rest. Starting staff for these guys is going to be Framber Valdez, really good year last year. Christian Javier, untouchable stuff in the playoffs. Jose Arquiti, hit or miss. Luis Garcia, really good pitcher. And Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown, you know, not not a name that's going to jump off the page at you, Nate, but, I mean, a guy that the Houston Astros trusts to insert in their starting staff. And I look to see him have a pretty decent year from a prospect's perspective. And now, Nate, let's get to the relief guys, and then we'll move on to the Seattle Mariners um, for the next team who finished second last year in the 2022 season. I mean, the, the main guys that jump off the page for this relief staff is Ryan Stanek, Ryan Presley, and Rafael Montero. I mean, all these guys had untouchable stuff last season. Specifically, Rafael Montero, he was really good in the World Series against the Phillies. Really good pitcher. But, I mean, the bottom line is, Nate, this Houston Astros squad has dudes everywhere, and I look to con- look to see them continue their success this season into the 2023 year. With that being said, Nate, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. I'm going to agree with Isaac. I think this team's going to finish first in the AL West. Okay, so before we do move on to the Seattle and our Mariners, I do have one question for you. Coming off of a World Series win, and you know the the usual World Series hangover, do you think the Houston Astros will struggle with that this season? Do you think they're a good enough team to be able to bounce back and just keep doing what they were doing last season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the reason why is because they have so many veterans yeah. all over that ball club. I mean – Framer Valdez, Christian Javier, and Luis Garcia are, are all young, but I would consider them veterans of the game, just the way they pitch. And they have so many guys that are veterans and have experience and so many guys on the roster that are locker room guys that I, I, I fully expect this team to have a phenomenal year. Yep. Okay, so now we're bouncing on to second place in the AL Central, and that's going to be the Seattle Mariners. Now the question is, how did they do last season? They finished second in the AL. They got the wild card, and their final record was 90-72. and 72. They lost the AL Divisional game against Astros. They got swept in three. But one thing with this Seattle Mariners team that I really think is true about them, they're a very quiet but deadly team. They're not a team that really stands out on paper, but they get the job done. Now, one of the things that we need to look at is their approach coming into the season. They need to be able to build off of last season and get back where they left off because – <clears throat> they they had a phenomenal season last year as far as one through three, I mean one through nine on the roster and their pitching-wise. And now looking into spring training, the Mariners have even more elite pitching on the way. Bryce Miller, the number two prospect in the MLB, MLB's 98th overall, 
belonged and should contribute at some point. He will be joining the roster, I believe. And then you can look down further down the line, just two spots down for the Mariners in the Mariners program, Emerson's Han- Emerson Hancock, number four prospect for the Mariners. He also showed the makings of a mid-to-top rotation piece. And Brian Wu, number six, had the most impressive prior putter power stuff of the three. This is one of the things that the, the Mariners have. They have guys right now in their rotation that they can depend it on, which we'll get to here in a second. But they also have young guys stepping up, coming up the minors, and actually proving to be true. Now, another guy that they really, really liked was Jared Kellenic. Maybe I'm saying that name wrong, Riley. Kel- Kel- Kelnick. Kelnick. Phenomenal guy. Phenomenal. Well, and let me tell you something else, folks, about Jared Kelnick. I mean, this is a guy that has had numerous shots and opportunities in the major leagues. Never really worked out for him. Could never stay on the major league roster with the Seattle Mariners long term. But let me tell you, Nate, this guy's had a phenomenal spring training. And I really hope all the best for this guy heading in to the season because this guy has worked his tail off. He has gotten sent down from the major leagues time and time again for the past couple years. And I really hope that this guy can figure it all out because this guy can be a really big piece for the Seattle Mariners team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can just look at some of his numbers. He has a 1.311 on-base percentage, which is phenomenal. He leads he's a, he's team leading with four homers. He's a prospect outfielder, and I definitely think you're going to see him on the opening day lineup. But moving on, what do they not like? This is one of the things that they need to focus on, and it's been everything else like every single team they're struggling as you say, the injury bug. Am I is that what you call it, injury bug? Yeah, yeah. Injury, injury bug. bug. Yeah. And so Dylan Moore will begin the year on the injured list with a with a grade one left oblique strain. That's like every guy, it feels like oblique's been really standing out. He's a predominant outfielder that the Mariners really like to utilize. But good thing it's short term. According to the doctors, he'll be in within a month or so, but definitely won't be on the opening day lineup. And then another guy that's struggling from injury is Tommy Lostella. He's still nursing a sore right shoulder and played the field for the first time in the Cactus League game on Thursday, but at first base where he didn't put much strain on it. So I think definitely the Mariners are going to hopefully these guys get back on the field within a month, 100% healthy. Now moving on, like one of the big key players for the Mariners, Julio Rodriguez, an all-star outfielder, led a huge role in last season's postseason run. He had phenomenal I'm going to retake that statement. Not phenomenal, but phenomenal for the Mariners. He had a 284 batting average. He had 75 RBIs. Can I say 284 in this day and age is pretty phenomenal, Nate. I know that you think that 300 has got to be the bare minimum for these guys, but at the end of the day, pitching's getting better. Pitching's getting faster. So for a rookie to hit 284, hit 28 homers, have 75 RBIs, and play in 132 games. I mean, I'll take that every day of the week for a a team like the Marlins. I mean, that is producing. That is a prospect that the Mariners wanted to bring up for a very long time. They finally did, and it proved to be dividends. It it is honestly kind of the same thing with Michael Michael Harris III. Or no, 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 Michael Harris II on the Braves. I mean, both these guys hit from different sides of the plate, but both guys have speed. They both play center field. They both have good power. They both hit for, you know, average and stuff like that. They're both speedy. But 
I think Julio Rodriguez, for a rookie, had a phenomenal year. A lot better years than a lot of rookies have, Nate. Yeah, you're not wrong on that, Riley. But moving on to another guy that they really look out for is Robbie Ryer. He finally is consistent in his delivery and mechanics. He found that with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he had a huge year. He started 32 games, pitched 193 innings, had a 2.84 ERA, struck out 248 batters. He's an all-leading in the American League in 2011. And looking on to the Seattle Mariners' starting staff, you guys got Matt, guys like Matt Brash, Matt Fiesta, a lot of Matts, Trevor Gott, and then you can go to the bullpen, and they guys have the they have guys deep, which I think is definitely going to be an asset for the Mariners moving forward. And I definitely think the Mariners are going to be one of those teams again, right up there in the rankings. I don't know if they're going to try to make a push on Houston. I don't know if they can beat them because obviously last season they definitely struggled, especially in the divisional championship game. They just got swept. Didn't really put too much of a fight in there, but well, they they didn't get swept. They just played one game. They were battling the Blue Jays, and they just couldn't get it done. Um, and you know, Nate, you were talking about the starting pitching. I mean, they got three guys that jump off the page to me. Luis Castillo is a solid pitcher for the Reds that didn't join the Mariners until the trade deadline. You got Robbie Ray, who's absolutely dominant last year, and absolutely dominant for his one year he played with, I believe it was the Blue Jays, and then you got Logan Gilbert, who's a, a young guy that throws hard, throws strikes, and I think he's going to be really good. But then you also got guys at the four and five, like Marco Gonzalez, who's a lefty, who's got stuff, and George Kirby's another guy that's got stuff. So all five of these guys, you know, nobody, I mean, not the average Joe is going to know a lot of these guys, but all these guys have stuff in their arsenal that can get guys out. And then if you go to their bullpen, I mean, the couple names that jump off the page to me is Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo, and Matt Brash. And, you know, Diego Castillo is one of the fastest fastballs in the major leagues. I mean, he, he'll he get you up there to 97, 98, 99, 100, sometimes touching 102. And then Matt Brosh is another really good pitcher. And then I think the only big bullpen piece that they're missing this year that they might have, you know, should have held on to is Kendall Graveman. He was pitching. He pitched for the USA team this year in the World Baseball Classic, and I think that they're really going to be missing him next year in terms of just overall stuff. But Nate, I definitely think that this pitching staff will still do enough to get them 87, 88 wins, which won't be enough for first place because the Astros will get 90, 90 plus. Yeah. But I, I, I think it'll be enough for them to get a, a nice second place bid. Yeah, I definitely see them sitting in second. It's going to be. I think it's going to come down between Texas and the Mariners for second place, but I don't think none of those teams will be able to push past Houston. And kind of moving forward into another team that had a, a mediocre season that but did not find playoff success whatsoever was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Riley, you had that team. What are some things looking into it that Mike Trout's part of? How how do we fill that spot for the see the Angels have success? Well, last season they were pretty abysmal. They were seventy-three and eighty-nine. That's a four fifty-one win percentage. They were thirty-three games out of first place. And they were third in the AL West. They're starting nine last year, at least you know on their opening day roster and stuff like that. Or the, let's just say the guys that got the majority of the starts. Max Stassi was at catcher. Jared Walsh was at first base. Luis Renifo was at second base. 
Andrew Velasquez was a shortstop. Anthony Rendon is at third base. He, he only played in 47 games. Brandon Marsh was in left field. He was traded to the Phillies at the trade deadline. Mike Charles in center field. Taylor Ward in right field. Taylor Ward, mind you, phenomenal season. 281 batting average. He played in 135 games. You know, and he also had 23 home runs for a guy that's not a very big human being. And then DH was Shohei Otani, who we all know what he can do at the plate. Yep. And I think the big thing to look at last year was the pitching last year for the Angels was not as bad as I thought. Their team ERA, including the bullpen, was 377 and 1,435 and two-thirds innings pitched. They were 73 and 89 as a staff, and I think a big loss for that bullpen uh, going into this year. They lost him at the trade deadline was Rysel Iglesias. He was the closer on that team, and he wasn't going to let anybody take that spot. But as we know, like the Angels have had have had some issues with money and you know some issues with you know fans wanting to keep the team and i think that they just couldn't pay Rysel Iglesias what he wanted so we decided to abandon ship and they i i think two big approaches heading into this year for the angels is they have to have a better offense than last season for them to be able to put up some runs and their starting staff and bullpen need to do better yeah i mean you have a guy that like patrick sandoval who pitched phenomenal in the world baseball classic utilize that and you know i just think that the names on this pitching staff aren't phenomenal, but they're not terrible either. And I and, and I think a big thing for the staff too is they need to have guys stay healthy. And they have guys on their staff. Tyler Anderson, who was a trade deadline piece that they picked up. Um, or no, I'm sorry, a free agency piece they picked up over the summer. Um or not, not over the summer. They picked him, picked him up over the winter. Holy cow! Um, he was on the Dodgers, and then as I already said, this name Patrick Sandoval. He's going to be good. A lefty, ninety four, ninety five. Reed Detmers. I will never forget his first start was a no hitter as a part of the Los Angeles Angels. Jose Suarez, decent left handed pitcher, and then Tucker Davidson is also a decent option in their starting staff. And then if you go to their bullpen. Bullpen isn't great. I mean, you got guys like Aaron Loop who came over in the offseason. Brian Tapera, who used to be with the Cubs. Matt Moore, who was with the Phillies, who was terrible, but he really found himself with the Angels this year. And last but not least, Jose Quijada, who used to be on the Marlins, who has really done phenomenal. And I, I didn't really start paying attention until he pitched at the World Baseball Classic. He did really well, came in with the bases loaded jam and was able to get out of it. And that guy's going to throw 95-96. And then one name, Nate, that I want to look at in depth for this bullpen of the Angels is Carlos Estevez. He used to pitch for the Rockies. But as we all know, if you pitch for the Rockies, you're not going to have much success just because of you being above sea level and all that great stuff. So I, I, I really look to see Carlos Estevez really find himself again with the Angels. And I can't wait to see what he's going to bring to the table for this Angels team. And Nate, as far as what do I like about this Angels team for spring training, as a team, they're hitting 277, really good. They've scored 153 runs. They have 280 hits, 30 homers, which is really good, 352 on-base percentage. So the stuff I don't like, they have a 409 earned run average, a 1.37 whip. They've thrown 104 walks, 271 strikeouts. Their opponent batting average is 251. But Nate, another thing I like is the record. They're 16 and 11. They're better than the Dodgers. And I mean, this Angels team has looked well in spring training, but at the end of the day, like you can have a rinky-dink ball club and look 
decent in spring training. Yeah. Just ask the Marlins a couple years ago. They only lost like seven spring training games. Then they were terrible in the, in the regular season. It always seems how that goes. But, Nate, I think the biggest thing I didn't like about spring training was this Angels team not having Patrick Sandoval for the majority of spring training, Mike Trout for the majority of spring training, as well as Shohei Otani for the majority of spring training. And then, Nate, something else that this Angels team needs to worry about this year, we say it with most of these teams, is their key players need to stay injury-free. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, Patrick Sandoval, Tyler Anderson. I mean, these guys need to stay healthy, and they need to stay in the lineup and active if this team wants to have success. Because at the end of the day, Nate, there just aren't that many teams in the MLB that can throw in a backup for the entire season and stay competitive. Yep. And I think that this Angels team needs to keep their guys healthy, just like any other Major League Baseball team. And Nate, it's really uh, confusing and hard to pick where this Angels team is going to end up. The MLB has the AL West shaken out like this. They have the Astros at one, Mariners at two, Rangers at three, Angels at four, Athletics at five. I honestly think with the Rangers and Rangers and Angels, it's anyone's game for the third seed. But I honestly think that if the Angels can keep people healthy and they can pitch well, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Angels could finish in the second spot ahead of the Mariners. But for right now, Nate, I think the Angels are going to finish in third place. Like, I don't think they're going to finish more than five games above the Rangers. I think the Rangers have done a phenomenal job of bringing in talent this offseason. And I think for that reason, I think the Angels will barely finish above the Rangers. Yeah, I can definitely agree with you, Riley, about how the Angels, they need to keep their key players healthy, especially Mike Trout, Otani, because they're the best guys in the entire MLB. But, like, looking forward into who's going who's gonna to switch with who, the Rangers and the Angels, we can kind of turn it over to the Rangers. We're looking at them right now. Their season wasn't the best. They finished, they finished fourth in the AL West. They finished with a record of 68-94. and 94. Not really spectacular. It's not really great at all. But one of the things that I really like about this this team moving forward is their pitching. Their pitching is now probably could be one of the best in the entire league if everybody's healthy. Yes, that's a borderline statement, and that's all depending on circumstances and who performs. They really need to use, utilize their pitching staff and dominate on the offensive side of the ball. But looking into spring training, they had some young blood step up. I tell you what, Riley, Evan Carter, he was he looked dazzling with his bat and glove. The Rangers' number three prospect has drawn five walks and put up on a on base percentage of six hundred and fifteen in thirteen base plate appearances. Also, Carter racked up two outfield assists in thirty three two and a half innings, which is top in the league right now. Actually, outfield assists is when an outfielder throws the ball from the infield, resulting in an out. Just for you guys that don't know that. But it's just one of those guys that just kind of stands out. He looks good. But one of the things that they did not really like, competing for jobs and positions in the field. They're kind of questioning who's going to be playing first base right now. And I believe, I think. I'm just going to say, Nate, I think first base, I think Nathaniel Lowe is a lock there. He had a pretty decent year last year playing that position. And I don't really think they have another you know, high-quality first baseman on this roster that could play the position like Nathaniel Lowe. And I really think this guy can have a bounce-back year. And, and Nate, I mean, the guy won, a, won the 2022 American League Silver Slugger Award 
at first base and he slashed 302 for an average 358 on base percentage and 492 slugging percentage so if i'm the texas rangers i'm taking that monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday every single day of the week so i think that this team can utilize him at first base and nate you're talking about the pitching staff i think this pitching staff is is one of baseball's most high-risk, high-reward staffs. And what I mean by that is these guys in their careers are kind of very injury-prone. Yeah. But, I mean, just hearing the different names on this staff, I mean, it gets me pumped up. I mean, if I had to pick a number two team, number three team to follow, it would probably be the Marlins, Yankees, and Rangers, just because I'm from Texas and I've always enjoyed watching the Rangers. Um, But you got Jacob deGrom, the the obvious ace of that staff, big question mark. Always looming over his head in recent years is can he stay healthy? Yeah. Nathan Eovaldi, who came from the Red Sox in the offseason. Yep. John Gray, who recently w- went over to the Rangers couple, like a year or two back. Martin Perez, who is who is a returner. He he's probably the longest tenured starting pitcher that's been with the Rangers. And another newcomer, Andrew Heaney, is going to be added to the staff from the Angels. And he had a short stint with the Dodgers, I believe. Um, I can't quite remember that, folks. Um, but bottom line is, Nate, this is going to be a high, high risk, high reward type of staff. Yes, he did have a short stint with the Dodgers last year. He had pretty good numbers, four and four with a three ten ERA. The four and four record could be better, but Nate, I think this is a high risk, high reward type of staff. And I wish nothing but the best for this Rangers team. And then bullpen. I mean, really, there's no names that really jump off the page at you other than. Jose LeClerc, who is a great pitcher to have in MLB The Show, by the way. And another guy is Dane Dunning, who had a bounce-back year last year. And so I just think that this starting staff is going to have to go some – or is going to have to put up some lengthy starts just because this bullpen isn't phenomenal, but it's not terrible either. Um, but as, I, as I've said a lot, I wish nothing but the best for this Rangers team. Yeah, and like you were saying, Riley – it's high risk, high reward, especially for the pitching staff. I mean, like Jacob DeGrom, he already saw, he already sat out a little bit during spring training because he was feeling tightness during bullpen se- session. Too much of an asset to be able to wait, so they delayed that start for him. And then another guy coming from the Red Sox, Nathan Avaldi, he delayed an outing due to tightness in the side. Both have tightness in the side. And Nathan Avaldi, I mean, besides J- Jacob DeGrom, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that is really an asset. He posted a – he's one of those guys that you can depend on because he had a 3.87 ERA in 2022 with the Boston Red Sox. It's not crazy good. It's not like ace level, I don't think, like he should be. Not what he got paid in, in Boston. He didn't deserve what he got paid in Boston, but that's besides the point. And he's 18th in the ML in – ML, the Rangers are 18th in the MLB during spring training with a 4.85 ERA team overall, which – the pitching staff hasn't really shown up like it should. I my agree because like some of the key players like Jacob Degrom, like you said, he has a hundred eighty-five million dollar contract. That's a lot of money, especially for somebody that gets injured. And right now, he's set to be the starter for the against the Phillies on opening day this Thursday. And he will be the starter. He and, will be. I mean, yes, Jacob Degrom had that little scenario with the injury during spring training, but as as we've seen, I mean. He's gotten a pitch in two games. He's 1-0, no runs allowed, six and two-thirds innings pitched. 
10 strikeouts in a .90 whip, which is phenomenal. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, Jacob DeGrom, like, don't be surprised if he doesn't get a lot of innings on opening day. Plus, most teams aren't going to let a starting pitcher go more than five on opening day. It's just it's just unorthodox. It's not how the game works anymore. And a big part of the game now is just keeping guys healthy. Yeah. And I think that that's why we see guys not go as many innings. So, like, I mean, even a guy like Sandy Alcantara, I mean, we will probably see him go, like, five, maybe six innings. We'll be pushing it because we're used to see him, seeing him going seven, eight, even nine. And, I mean, I just think that the Rangers are going to be really careful with Jacob deGrom and always just making sure, hey, man, you're all right, you're good, all that sort of stuff. Because at the end of the day, the Rangers want to get all that money that they paid for him. They want to see it resonate on the field. Mm. But, Nate, where do you see this Rangers team finishing this season? Because are, are, are you kind of confused about that toss-up between are the Angels going to insert themselves in the third spot? Are the Rangers going to win more games? Both teams have talent. Both teams have decent pitching staffs. Both teams have hitters. Like, what are your thoughts on all that? Here's my opinion on how the Texas Rangers are going to finish. They're either going to end up in second or they're going to stay where they're at. I don't think they're going to have a mediocre season where, I mean, it all depends on how the Angels do, but they're either going to do really phenomenal and get the wild card or they're just going to stay the same. It's really all dependent on the Angels, but I don't think, I think it's going to come down between Seattle and Texas yeah. for the wild card. And I think that, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, now that they've been a member of the Rangers for a season, I think that both of them will start off a lot better than they did yep. last year. I mean, both guys were known to hit, you know, almost 300, but they, neither guy just did that at the beginning of the year last year, and it took them a while to kind of find their their swing, per se. But, yeah, Nate, I mean, I think both of us have agreed that, you know, the Rangers and Angels are going to be fighting for that third spot. and. I honestly think the Astros and Mariners are kind of locks at the second spot. I mean, the only reason why I think the Mariners would move down is if their pitching staff is just crap yeah. and their bullpen can't help out the starting staff because I don't think that starting staff is going to be that bad. I think their their starting staff is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And I just really think that it's going to be a toss-up between the Rangers and the Angels for that third-place spot. I mean, according to MLB, they have – the amount of games separating each team is one. So I think that that's MLB is just telling us that's how close it's going to be. And I agree with them, but Nate, there's one other team that we must talk about. And it's probably going to be the team we talk about for the least amount of time. Yeah. No offense to this team. They're just not really worth our time. Poverty franchise. Um. Yes, Nate, they are a poverty franchise and that's the Oakland athletics. Nate, they finished 60 and one Oh two last year. They were last in the AL West. They were the laughing stock of the league per se. The A's have not shown much to love in spring training, but they, but they are third in spring training in stolen bases with 33 on 39 attempts and acquired an exciting new prospect from the Marlins, J.J. Bladé. That's who he traded A.J. Puck. So it's kind of funny that J.J. was traded for A.J., if you know what I mean. A little. <laughs> so, and J.J. Bladé is a, from Vanderbilt, really exciting prospect. But let me tell you, that A.J. Puck guy, 6'7", lefty, 95 to 97 on the fastball. He has looked absolutely phenomenal in spring. And that guy's got a one ERA through spring training. He's going to be a really solid bullpen piece for the Marlins. And the thing that we always say about the Marlins is the pitching staff is there, but can the offense show? Yeah. So I think that this was a great move for both teams. The A's are a very prospect-oriented team. 
And I think that J.J. Bode really fits the mold, and I think he's going to get a lot more playing time than he would have with the Marlins. And something that the uh, Oakland Athletics haven't really liked is pretty much everything else. They are definitely an organization on the decline. You know, nobody shows up to their games. Their stadium is disgusting. Yeah. I think they really need to think about moving. Um, and I just think that the Oakland Athletics need to show their fans that they want to spend money. Yeah. And they want it, it, it's kind of giving me I, I I know I talk about this team a lot, but it's kind of giving me like flashbacks to the Marlins a couple of years back, always constantly rebuilding the the roster money combined like per year, like salary is low. Yeah. Nobody comes to the games unless if the team's good or not. So I think with all this being said, Nate, I think that they're gonna finish dead last again in the AL West. Because they just don't have a team that people want to go watch and see, and if and, and and if I'm a guy that's a fan of a AL West foe that's living in the Oakland area, I don't even think I'm gonna go want to go to that stadium just because it's not a reputable stadium. It's not a stadium that I would want to go visit. No. And so there's just a lot of question marks with this Oakland Athletics and kind of their leadership and how things are going. But I mean. Like, their catchers, Shea Langoliers and Yoel Pozo, I mean, I've never heard of either of those guys in my life. I'm like Bozos. And, I mean, first base, I mean, the only guy I've heard is Jesus Aguilar. I mean, oh, I've heard of him. he is a phenomenal player. He's really good with running runners in scoring position. But how many guys are they going to be able to get in scoring position? I mean, <laughs> not trying to be mean. But, and then second base is going to be Tony Kemp. Third base, Jace Peterson from the from the Brewers. So, okay. We're getting a, a, a plus defender at third base with the Brewers last season. So, I mean, there's a guy. Nick Allen is playing shortstop. He shined in his rookie campaign last year as he graduated from top, top prospect status to the majors last year. And he's he's not a lock to break camp with the A's. But, um, and that's because um, Aldemiz Diaz is with the club. And he's showing uh, offensive imp- improvements with a strong start to Cactus League play. And, um, I mean, really the, the biggest player on this team is Ramon Laureano. Yeah. I mean, nobody forgets that famous throw he had. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember it, the one where he's on the center field wall. He threw the guy out at first base, and it was a big deal and all this stuff. But I expect Christian Pache, a prospect from the Braves organization, to have a bounce back here now that he's been there with the Oakland Athletics for a year. And, I mean, the starting pitchers on this team is terrible. I mean, James Capri-Leon, I I couldn't tell you how to say that name, Nate. Um, And Kyle Muller are the only two guys I know on this staff. Kyle Muller, I believe, according to MLB, is going to be the starting staff for the Oakland Athletics against the Angels. So it's going to be Shohei Otani against Kyle Muller to open things up. And then their relievers, they have Trevor May, who's a very good reliever. And everybody else, I just don't know who they are at all. Not, you know, to be mean to the athletics, I feel like I'm just kind of, the truth, you know, just putting them down this entire episode. But, I mean, to be honest with you, Nate, teams that don't have guys that you know about aren't really going to win games unless you're the Cleveland Guardians from last year who they had guys on the team that hit. Yeah. And the Cleveland Guardians were a very, very underrated team. We We talked about them last week. And we expected them to be good this year. So maybe the Oakland a- Athletics, that's really the only thing that they would have going for them. But, I mean, e- even the Cleveland Guardians had guys you knew about. Yeah. So, but, Nate, before we wrap it up here, let's kind of give our overall standings for where we think people are going to finish. 
So for me, it's going to be, um, holy cow, it's going to be the Astros at one, Mariners at two. I'm going to go Angels at three, Rangers at four, Athletics at five. That's exactly how it finished last year. I think it, that's exactly how it's going to finish again. But I, 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 folks, I think the Angels and Rangers are. It's it's going to be a closer finish than last year. Yeah. And honestly, folks, kind of a little sleeper idea here. Wouldn't be surprised if the Angels, if they have a good year, if they move to the second spot with the uh, ahead of the Mariners. Um, because if the Angels can put together a really solid year and Anthony Rendon can stay healthy and stay in the lineup, I think that this team with the leadership they have and the veterans on the team, I think that they can turn out to be pretty phenomenal. But, Nate, let's go ahead and get your predictions. We'll sign off, folks. Tomorrow we're going to have the NL East as well as the NL Central. We're going to post the NL East tomorrow. We're going to post the NL Central on Wednesday. And then we're going to post the NL West on Thursday morning. So make sure you guys tune into that. But, Nate, give our predictions. We'll do one last sign-off, and then we'll see everybody tomorrow. Here's my AL West prediction. We're going to have Houston at one, Rangers at two, Mariners at three, Angels at four, and Oakland at five. Really? Okay, well, folks, you heard it here from myself, Riley Klingman, alongside Nathan McKinney. Thank you so much to tuning into episode number three out of six, covering all the different MLB divisions heading into the 2023 season, discussing what they've looked like in spring, the guys that they've added to the roster since last year, and how each team's going to shake out. But for myself, Riley Klingman, alongside Nathan McKinney, this has been episode number three out of six breaking down the MLB divisions. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll have, we will be recording two episodes tomorrow. One of them will, will release tomorrow. That'll be the NL East. And then the NL Central will release on Wednesday. And then folks, don't miss the very last episode on Thursday. We're going to film that on Wednesday. That's going to be the NL West. And then on Thursday morning, folks, you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to break down all things Final Four for March Madness. We're going to take one last quick dive into some of the really good MLB baseball games happening for opening day. We're going to give our predictions for who we think is going to win that and so much more. Also, we're going to give an update on Lamar Jackson as today we found out that a couple days, well, not a couple days, March 2nd, he requested a trade from the Ravens, so make sure you guys stay tuned for all that. But for myself, Riley Cleveland, alongside Nathan McKinney, we hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday afternoon, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much, and God bless.